Good morning, church. Good morning, church. It's a sunshiny day outside. At least that's what I'm imagining in my mind since I can't see it. You might as well believe the best, right? I noticed that uh, as I walked in the auditorium, uh, this particular room, we had some buckets set up and some caution signs on this side. There's some wet spots and uh, uh, water dripping from the ceiling. And so uh, I want you to know, one, we have not changed our uh, teaching on baptism. We still do immersion and... Uh, but we, uh, you know, we're like everybody else in old buildings. We're always fixing something. Appreciate your patience uh, on that. And y'all, you guys are always so good on that kind of thing. Well, it's so good to, to see everybody today. Uh, welcome. Look, uh, a couple of reminders here before we uh, get to our speaker. One, uh, we work on a uh, 50-week budget. And so we take those other two Sundays. One is for One Kingdom and all of our mission efforts through One Kingdom, which you will uh, uh, actually uh, going to enjoy. Uh, a speaker from Ghana this morning will tell more about that in a little bit. But the other Sunday, uh, in the past, we've used it to catch up on things that wasn't uh, that we didn't know was going to happen, or we've used it for uh, expenses outside the budget. We're going to kind of reclaim that Sunday as a discipleship giving Sunday. And that's going to come up in like, I think, four weeks. Is there a sign back there? There you go. June tells you. Uh, so we're going to take that particular Sunday to fund discipleship things that are not in our budget. So, for example, our uh, men's retreat, our women's retreat, live stream discipleship things that go out, and not necessarily the technology, but, you know, materials and teaching and, and those kinds of things that we want to see happen in discipling around the world. And so that particular Sunday, that all that contribution will go toward discipleship. And so we want you to be planning about that, uh, giving and uh, praying about how the Lord can uh, use what we have to make the most out of uh, what we do around here, okay? Uh, and that Sunday, we, we won't use any of that money to fix leaks. We'll do that out of some other deal, okay? We'll make you a deal there. All right. Um, Sam, come on up, brother. I want to introduce to you my brother Sam Chimasi Ankara. How'd I do on that name? All right. Uh, Sam comes from Accra, Ghana, and... Uh, we have a rich history with the uh, Ghanaian church uh, from back in, the, I don't know, late 70s, early 1980. And uh, I've been honored to be over there. We know a lot of the same brothers and uh, sisters there. And I'm telling you, this is just a wonderful brother. He heads up a, a university there as well as a, a school of preaching and has helped train and disciple many people and have started a, a lot of churches, not only in Ghana, but around Africa Sam, we are honored to, to have you, brother. And look, I know preaching times are different in America and in Ghana, but I want you to know you have my full permission to preach as long as you want. They can take it out on me next week. I when uh, can, I don't think they can endure. You don't think they can endure? <laughs> well, they don't endure mine too well, so I don't know about that. But, uh, uh, but brother, you just uh, you just preach the word. I want to pray over you, okay, before you do. Thank you. Father. I just can't tell you how much I love this brother 
and the things that he does for the kingdom. I pray, Father, a blessing on him that he speaks to us today. Thank you for his study of the word, his commitment to you, and and for how he trains and disciples others. Uh, bless him today as he shares. Thank you for bringing him our way. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Preach the word. Thank you. Hello and good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. I am deeply thankful to the elders, to Brother Mike, to Brother Roberts and his wife, Kathy, who have been my hosts, to Ryan and the entire One Kingdom team, to the staff, and to all of you. This is my second visit to Wildfair Road. And each time I have been here, you all welcome me with such a wonderful Christian hospitality and love. And I want you to know that I appreciate you all. If there is one particular U.S. congregation that has had so much impact on the growth of Churches of Christ in Ghana, it is White Ferry Road. In the early 1980s, when there was a severe drought and famine in Ghana, your congregation came to our rescue. And within a space of three years, this congregation mobilized Churches of Christ in the U.S. and month after month sent us tons and tons of food aid, medical supplies, Bible study materials under the leadership of brothers like Don Yelton and Don Duluki and many others that I can't remember their names. And through that assistance, we in Ghana were able to share so much food and medical supplies, not only among churches of Christ, but also with hospitals and prisons and schools and many communities where people did not even believe in Christ. And so it is on record that by the time the famine subsided, the number of Churches of Christ's congregations in Ghana had tripled because thousands and thousands came to know about the gospel and obeyed. And so, it's been 40 years now since White Ferry Road and the churches in Ghana had kingdom work relationship. And God still continues to bless us with exponential growth in so many ways. And so, on this particular visit, 
I'm here to explore the possibility of partnering with White Ferry Road to expand ministry of training both ministers of the gospel as well as students in a Christian college, Heritage Christian College. God is blessing his own work in ways that I cannot have the time to describe to you. But it is my prayer, brothers and sisters in Christ, that this congregation would, if possible, once again, join hands with the churches in Ghana, particularly the Insulin Road Church of Christ that played the lead role in distributing the aid that you sent to us some 40, 41 years ago. It is my prayer that this congregation can partner with Heritage Christian College and Bible Institute, which trains ministers and also provide Christian higher education to young men and women in Ghana. Four years ago, when I first visited White Ferry Road, I was honored with the opportunity to preach to you on a Sunday morning. And at the end of that preaching, I thought that my accent had inconvenienced you. But today, I have once again been given the opportunity to preach to you. So I assume that you guys enjoyed sermons brewed in an African pot. The title for our sermon today is Finding Comfort Amidst Suffering. Finding Comfort Amidst Suffering. Why is life so tough? Why? Is life so tough? I asked that question when I was only six years old. My parents have gone through divorce. And I had become a victim of the hostility that ensued between my dad and mom. I started living here and there as if I was an orphan, but I was not. I struggled to find food to eat. And so I learned the hard job of weaving baskets for sale. I learned how to set booby traps to catch game and wildlife to sell and to eat. Unlike my friends at school, I went to school walking barefooted. I was the only one in my class who wore torn school uniform. 
and my friends laughed at me. And in my early teens, unfortunately for me, I had an accident. An accident that resulted in a compound fracture of my foot, my leg foot. I could not go to the hospital. So I resorted to using herbs, herbs as treatment. And I remember at that point, I had a teenage friend and I asked him, why is life so tough? How can I find comfort? I believe I'm not the only one who has experienced suffering. I believe there are many people out there and and even here who are experiencing suffering. And we all ask ourselves that question. In May of 2008, a five-year old daughter of Steve Curtis Chapman, a Christian musician, was run over and killed while playing in their driveway. And the question that was on the lips of unbelievers and even Christians alike is how could God allow such a thing to happen to a gentleman, a nice gentleman, who is doing so much to honor the name of Christ. After going through sorrow and grieving, Chapman released a song. And the title of the song is, Jesus Will Meet You There. And the message of the song is that when you think you've hit the bottom and the bottom gives way and you fall into a darkness that no words can explain and you don't know how you make it out alive, Jesus will meet you there. Why should an innocent six-year-old boy become a victim of his parents' divorce? Why should a five-year-old adorable daughter be run over and killed. Why do innocent disciples of Christ suffer? Now, these are questions that throughout the centuries, most people have never found the right answers. However, the Apostle Paul tells us where the answer lies. 
in the first chapter of First Corinthians, uh, in the first chapter of Second Corinthians, I'm sorry, Second Corinthians, we discover one of God's divine perspectives on how diligent and faithful children of God suffer in this life. Now, in verse 1 and 2 of Second Corinthians chapter 1, we notice that after greetings the brothers and sisters in Corinth, Paul jumps straight to talk about the comfort, the comfort he personally received from God in the midst of going through multiples of problems and suffering. In Second Corinthians, Paul talks about all the suffering that came to him, false accusations, unnecessary, unfounded attacks. He talks about distress. He talks about disease that was buffeting him. He talks about threats of death. And yet, in Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 through 11, Paul tells us that God gave him comfort in all of them. The most reassuring thing that the Apostle Paul tells us in this chapter is that in the midst of suffering, in the midst of adversity, in the midst of bad news and heartaches, the follower of Christ is well able to find true comfort. And you may be asking, how? From verse 3 through 11, we want to take a quick look at three ways by which we can enjoy or find true comfort when we suffer. Number one, in verses 3 through 5, Paul is saying that we find comfort by recognizing the character of God, that he is sovereign. He rules and overrules. Again, from verse 4 through verse 6, Paul is going to say we can find true comfort when in the midst of our suffering, we comfort others. And then, the third point is found in verses 8 through 11, where Paul teaches us that in the midst of our suffering, sometimes, sometimes, God uses suffering to empty us of our self-reliance attitude. I want us to take a few moments to unpack these lessons. So, first of all, Paul is teaching us from verse 3 to 5 
that we can find comfort by recognizing the character of God, that God is sovereign. When you look at verse 3, you, you, you notice the expression, God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, the Father of compassion. God, the Father of all comfort. Now, that expression, the Father of, is another way of saying God is the source of. God is the originator. And so, in other words, Paul is saying that God is the source of, the father of, the source of all compassion. God is the true source of all comfort. Hence, as a servant of Christ, if adversity, if troubles and problems should strike me today, no one else and nothing else can give me true comfort other than God. That is the point Paul wants us to understand. It also implies that just as God raised Jesus from the grave after his enemies have crucified him on the cross, so today God has the power to raise me up if I pass on. God has the power to raise me up and place me with Jesus Christ. And so death or disease or problems cannot hold us captive. That is the point the Apostle Paul wants us to understand. God remains sovereign. And in the midst of our distressing situations, be it financial, be it emotional or relational, in the midst of what appears to be an incurable disease, in the midst of what appears to be loss, it is only when you and I have the recognition and the conviction of God's sovereignty, of God's character, that he overrules, that you and I, I going to be comforted. And having the recognition, having such conviction is the thing that motivates the child of God to find comfort and hope and to be able to stick his neck out and say, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod, and thy staff, they comfort me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Having that recognition and conviction frees us from the anxiety and the panic and the depression that many people live with. It convinces us that God is the all-seeing, all-loving, all-powerful to overrule the evil machinations of Satan. 
Second, Paul tells us, he reassures us that we can find comfort in the midst of our suffering when we ministers, when we minister comfort to others. And you find that from verse seven, verse six through seven, verse six through seven. Now, the point here is that sometimes God allows us to go through suffering so that we will pass on the experience, the wisdom we have gained to comfort others. And so, not always, but the Bible teaches us that, that there are times when God takes us to school. He sends us to school. As hard that, as that may be for us to accept, sometimes God will take us through school so that the lessons we learn, we can use them to comfort others. In that sense, in that sense, brothers and sisters, suffering can become a moment for ministry. In that sense, we should be careful to become scornful because God may be using that to empower us to minister to others. Those who have gone through the attacks of cancer are better placed to minister to those who are going through it. Those who have experienced abject poverty can better empathize and minister to others who are suffering. That is the lesson for us. That even in the midst of our suffering, when God comforts us, when we acknowledge who he is, and so we derive comfort, we even in the midst of our suffering can minister to others. And the third point that the Apostle Paul gives us is that we are able to comfort, to find comfort in our sufferings when we understand that suffering empties us of our self-reliance. And thus suffering makes us God-reliant. And you find this in verse 8 through 11. There is nothing sinful, brothers and sisters. There is nothing sinful or wrong. When people study hard and achieve higher knowledge and advancement in philosophy, in science, there is nothing sinful or wrong when people work hard and smart and make good money and buy themselves and for their families properties and make investment. There's nothing wrong as far as my understanding of the scriptures is concerned. There's nothing wrong. 
there's nothing wrong if people work hard and want to have vacation and enjoy some time. However, it becomes so dangerous when such things are allowed to overthrow God's rule over our lives. And when we replace God with human philosophy and scientific capabilities, when we worship the wealth we ourselves have created, then the sovereign God, the sovereign God, has a way of knocking down and demolishing the idols we create and worship. And he uses, sometimes, he uses the instrument, the corrective instrument of suffering. The past couple of years have been tragic for people all over the world. And, and you know it. I don't need to waste your time. When you look at the magnitude of job losses, people have lost their investment, their homes. When you look at the magnitude of misery and sorrow arising from the loss of loved ones, the rise of terrorism, social wars, all these do not mean God is handicapped to prevent or to rescue us. All these do not mean that God is no longer on his throne. It could very well mean, brothers and sisters, that God has allowed all these phenomena to take place in our world, in, in our communities, so as to empty the world, empty humanity of our self-reliance and draw us closer, closer to him through prayer. No matter who we are and what we do or do not do, suffering will strike us in one form or the other, at one point or another in our lives, simply because we live in a world filled with evil. However, in Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 through 11, God's word teaches us the ways we can find comfort when trouble strikes. And he says, number one, when we have the recognition and the conviction that he is sovereign, he is in absolute control, and he exercises absolute power over life and death and all that happens in our world. And second, we can find comfort by discovering that Suffering empowers us to minister compassion 
and comfort to others. And thirdly, Paul is teaching us this morning that we can find comfort when we understand that suffering empties us of our self-reliance and makes us more prayerful and God-reliant. It is my prayer that the Holy Spirit of God will come alongside each and every one of us in our moments of trouble and suffering and minister God's comfort to you and to me in a very special way. Shall we bow in a word of prayer? Holy and almighty God, we do not deserve to be your children. We do not deserve to be here. We join our hearts and our minds to praise and thank you that you did not treat us according to our sins. We thank you so much, Lord, for sending Christ to die on the cross to pay for our sins. We thank you that his blood cleanses us and brings us back into fellowship with you when we sin. We pray that you will look favorably onto each and every one here in this assembly today and those who were unable to be here. We pray that you extend your hand of protection to protect each and every one. We pray that you, you will touch everyone who is suffering any form of sickness and disease, that you will grant them healing. We pray that you restore joy and hope and comfort to everyone here and those who are not here, that, Lord, they will come to know you. We pray that, Lord, you will continue to exercise your sovereignty over the world. We pray that your kingdom will come. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, brother. God bless you. Thank you for sharing with us today. You can remain standing if you if there is uh, if you have something that you need com- comfort for and prayers for or if you want to respond to the gospel today this is our time of invitation please do so while we sing.